0: Welcome to the Family Advisory and Philanthropy Services in Conversation with podcast series on the UBS Conversations podcast channel. Hi everyone, welcome to UBS On Air. My name is Sarah Solomon and I'm a senior strategist on the Family Advisory and Philanthropy Services team at UBS. The mission of our group is to serve as a thought partner for exceptional families. We understand that our clients' needs extend beyond purely financial, so we take a strategic and sustainable approach to managing their wealth for continuity. We work with our clients to get to the heart of what is most important to them and help align their passions with charitable giving opportunities that achieve their philanthropic goals. An important step in identifying where our passions lie and how best to meet our goals is to learn from others and hear success stories from like-minded philanthropists. Today, I'm so happy to be joined by Malcolm Brogdon, a professional basketball player whose true passion in life is helping others. Named the 2016-17 Rookie of the Year, Malcolm is a guard on the Indiana Pacers of the National Basketball Association. A collegiate standout on the Virginia Cavaliers, his recognition included being named ACC Player of the Year, ACC Defensive Player of the Year, and First Team All-American. Malcolm was a finalist for the Naismith Award, collegiate basketball's highest honor. Drafted to the Milwaukee Bucks in 2016, in 2019, Malcolm became just the eighth player in NBA history, achieve a 50-40-90 season. On July 6, 2019, he signed with the Indiana Pacers. In addition to his bachelor's degree in history, Malcolm earned a master's in leadership and public policy from the University of Virginia and was named the 2016 Ernest H. Earn Distinguished Student in recognition of his outstanding academics and leadership as well as his commitment to the traditions of the university. A purposeful leader, Malcolm's commitment to service and education, his leadership in the NBA Players Association, and his continuing advocacy for clean water have helped to shape his emerging charitable activities in Africa and for underserved children in the United States. Wow, what a resume. Malcolm, thank you so much for joining me today. Let's get started. I want to start by asking, before we get into your foundation and work around clean water and education, can you tell us a bit more about your background and your career in the NBA?
1: Of course. Uh, First, thank you for having me on today. I'm incredibly excited to talk about what I care about the most. Um, But for me, I was born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, my, my father is a attorney. Uh, both of my older brothers are attorneys and my mom is a PhD professor at Morehouse college. Um, so for me growing up, education has always been huge. Uh, giving back has always been huge. Um, but I, I I grew up playing soccer, grew up playing basketball, thought I would be in, you know, the highest, you know, premier league soccer player. Uh, that didn't work out. I I ended up being six, five and, a little bit slower than soccer players, so I I transitioned to basketball, uh, worked really hard at it, um, realized I could have a future in it, but, you know, my mom also made me realize that I had to keep my grades up, that I had to focus on my schoolwork. I wanted an opportunity to be on the court and to work as hard as I did, so I did that, um, ended up getting a scholarship uh, offer from the University of Virginia, took it right away. I understood that you know, your education is the passport to your future. Um, that was that was big for my family. Uh, and uh, you know, uh, after that, I did five years in college. Ended up getting injured um, at the end of my freshman season, and redshirted my second year. Took it off. Really focused on uh, how I could develop and how I could really take my education serious for that fifth year that I would have at the end of my uh, collegiate career um ended up getting my masters in public policy while also getting my bachelor's in history um and then was drafted by the by the Milwaukee Bucks uh in the second round of the NBA draft um spent 3 years with the Bucks and then uh got traded to uh, the Indiana Pacers and have spent the last 2 years with the Indiana Pacers uh but during my second year in Milwaukee with the Bucks um I decided to really start start branching out um, you know uh, on my other endeavors such as clean water and and trying to uh, use my platform to help people. So I partnered with uh, a, a fellow uh, Virginia guy that, that had a foundation and started my own initiative called Hoops Two o um, under his foundation. Um, had a lot of success, raised a lot of money, uh, built a lot of clean water wells uh, in East Africa, Tanzania, and then um, you know, over the past year and a half, I've transitioned that over to my foundation, uh, the Brogdon Family Foundation, and we continue those water efforts in Tanzania, Kenya, and we uh, will continue to expand across the continent of Africa.
0: You don't waste any time making sure that you're on purpose, be it academics and athletics and everything all at once, including clean water. Let's take a step back for one second. I want to understand, how did you discover your passion for clean water?
1: So when I was uh nine years old, I was blessed enough with the opportunity to travel to Ghana, West Africa, with my with my family, with my two brothers, my mom, my dad. Um I, I grew up in a family that viewed traveling and viewed experiences um as important as anything else in life, which I you know, I, I definitely uh agree with to this day as a as a man. I think it's important to expose your kids and to expose people around you as many experiences as possible so that it can you know really shape their perspective Um, but like I said we went to West Africa we went to Ghana for three weeks and this was before if you know anything about Ghana this is before Ghana's economy really took off Ghana's economy took off I think you know seven eight years after we went but when we went the economy was uh, just and and, and it was it was a disaster at that point Um, the infrastructure was really poor Um, people were there, a lot of people were in poverty and it was a different level of poverty that you see here in the States, uh, people with no shoes, people without clothes, people without, uh, food, clean water. I mean, it was a whole host of issues. Um, I remember one story and I was, I was a 10 year old, so I, I couldn't really, uh, um, understand or, or process really what I was seeing, but I knew it was, it was hard to see. It was hard to watch. Um, but one story we were in the city of Accra the, the capital of Ghana and we were on a bus with the other people We had traveled there with and we would bring these box lunches with us um, And usually it was a very very simple lunch very simple meal uh, usually rice and some type some type of chicken um, but the people on the uh, the People uh, of the city the civilians they could they could smell the food um, they could smell the food on the bus and at that point they started banging on the windows just trying to get us to share with them so we started handing out our food to them through the windows and um you know people were so hungry people were so malnourished they started ripping up the boxes as we were handing them and the the kernels of rice were falling all over the ground and i remember people picking those kernels of rice up and eating them individually and um as a little kid it, it you you can't really understand what you're seeing but you know looking back it's it's heartbreaking and uh you can't see something like that and then come back to your world, come back to the United States, no matter how you're living and, um, you know, ignore and act as though you didn't, you didn't see it. So for me, I knew at some point when I had the resources, when I had the opportunity, I would, uh, give back and I would help people. I, w- I would, uh, help people, you know, live decent lives. I think everybody has a right to live a decent life, to have the necessities. Um, so that's what that's what I, I've decided to do later, a few years later after Ghana, I was able to go to Malawi in South Africa with my grandparents on a mission trip um and saw much of the same Malawi was even worse than Ghana um so it was it was the the trips that I had early on were very fruitful and definitely uh lit the fire for me.
0: That is so amazing, and I completely agree with what you said that travel is the exposure that helps us understand where we can help in this world and shapes our perspective. And once you see it, you can't unsee it. You have to do something about it. So let's now turn to the Brogdon Family Foundation. What is the mission of the foundation and what kind of projects is it involved with?
1: So the Brogdon Family Foundation focuses on uh, gender equity. Um, I think a, a big uh, piece of this for me um, and a big piece of this from my mom, who is the executive director of the foundation, is to give uh, women and, and young girls uh, equal opportunities. Because when you go to uh, some of the countries in Africa that we've been to, women are doing the bulk of the work, but also not treated on the same level, don't have the same opportunities, especially at a young age. The young girls don't have the same educational opportunities. Um, so it was important for us to really focus on them and um, you know try to enhance their their quality of life but our our foundation is broken up into two different sections so one is one initiative is uh hoops for humanity which is our clean water initiative in East Africa Tanzania and Kenya um, we we fundraise all year we have 16 professional uh basketball players uh uh most of them are in the NBA uh, we have a few in the WNBA And we fundraise all year and then we take a trip in mid-july and we go see the water well projects and uh visit the country and and just sort of get the full experience of um what people are going through over there but also what the country has to offer because there's so much beauty and so many wonderful things over there the other part of the foundation the other initiative is called the jha education project and it is named after my grandfather who was a big proponent of education like i mentioned earlier and that is more domestic. It's not international. Um, it focuses on uh, partnering with uh, mainly elementary and middle schools in Indianapolis, where I play, and then also in Atlanta, where I'm from. Um, and, you know, trying to enhance educational opportunities, whether it's mentorship, uh, literacy, uh, you know, whether we can allow the kids to go on different trips, travel and see things um, that they otherwise wouldn't have the opportunity to see. Um, those are the type of things that the, that, Um, that initiative focuses on.
0: What amazing work on on both uh, parts of the mission of your foundation with Hoops for Humanity and JHA Education Project. I saw the video diary that you produced a couple of weeks ago on your latest trip to Africa, and I love that you go every year and bring a group of people with you. Can you tell our listeners about the purpose and impact of your latest trip to East Africa?
1: Of course. So this past, so recently we have um, expanded our our work to uh, Kenya, to right outside of Nairobi, the, the main city in Kenya. Um, so that's where we flew into this time. In the past, we've always flown into Tanzania. We usually settle in the city called Arusha and then move around from there. Um, but this time we we started in Nairobi, um, and I took you know everybody from the foundation who's involved in the work is invited. Um, but because the trip is usually at least a week to a week and a half long, it takes a lot out of people's schedule. So, um, it can be tough to get people out there. I took one of my NBA guys with me, um, uh, and, and just a few other people. So it wasn't, you know, it was a group of six or seven of us. And the, the point of the trip is to go to, to be able to experience the city, be able to experience the culture, be able to experience the people and, um, see the water wells. So the first day we, we got there. We drove about three hours outside of the city, you know, um, about an hour on, uh, you know, real, uh, paved roads and then on dirt roads. It's a bumpy, it's a rough ride, but, you know, uh, considering your circumstances and considering who you're going to see and how much people are struggling, you're, you're not complaining about that, even though it's a rough ride. But three hours out into what they call the bush. And, uh, it's a very remote, um, uh, it's a very remote you know group of people that are that are living you know three hours outside of Nairobi and uh, you get to go to their you get to go to their community they really welcome you the people are very very welcoming um, and the first thing they show you is their old water source which is usually a big it's it's like it's almost a big puddle I wouldn't even call it a pond it's a big puddle that they've dug you know it's it's groundwater that's come up from them de- digging for a few days um and all the animals feed in the water. They bathe in the water. The people bathe, drink, and uh, you know, every, feed from the water. They use it for their cooking. They use it for everything. So, the water is contaminated, um, and you know, the 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 consequences of that are, are vast in terms of the health consequences. Um, not only drinking, but you're cooking with that water, um, and the water actually it has such high levels of fluoride that when you go there, you'll see a lot of people have. Uh, you know, their teeth are decaying. They're, they have a lot of, you know, brown spots on their teeth because even the kids, everybody's teeth are decaying because the water's so contaminated. Um, but then after you see that water source, which is shocking, you can't, you can't actually imagine it. You travel, um, deeper into the community and they show you, uh, where you have funded their, their well. And they're so appreciative and so grateful for something that they deserve. I mean, I, I, I just, um, you know, it, it's striking how how grateful they are, and, and you know how much they actually. It, it, it's something that they should always um, they should have had from the beginning. Um, but you see the clean water source. You see how happy even the animals are to go feed. You know, clean water. Everybody can tell the difference, um, and it, it improved the lives of everybody. So after you see that, you you then you know they basically sit you down a lot of the time, and they you know do dances and they, they celebrate you and they thank you for your thing in the well. Um, and then you leave. And that the whole thing is about an hour and a half you're there and then you take a three hour drive back to Nairobi. And then you do that usually over and over um, throughout the trip, throughout the eight or nine days. But broken up in those eight or nine days, you'll go on a safari in the Serengeti or the Maasai Moor. Um, and you'll be able to go to different cities and, and go to different markets. Um, different museums. I mean, it's, there's so many things to see. Um, It's really, it's really an amazing time.
0: It sounds absolutely incredible. And like I said, just seeing the few minute video clip of um, what you experienced conveys the emotions that you feel you're on this trip. I want to ask you another question about some work that you're doing with your foundation that connects with some work that we do at UBS through the Optimus Foundation. The UBS Optimus Foundation focuses on the world's most vulnerable children in the areas of health, education, child protection, and the environment. And I know you're working on a project uh, with WorldServe in Kenya and Optimus. Can you tell us more about that project?
1: yeah so it is a it's a project where um we've sort of taken this idea of uh not just you know showing up at a community uh giving them a well and then leaving you know some communities because of their location that's really a lot of the time what we can do um but then some communities we dive you know uh we we fully dive in so we we try to do the well but we also try to take a more uh uh, wholesome approach and, um, you know, if, if they need new toilets, if they need, I mean, we try to focus on hygiene because hygiene is the, is the part for women that really changes their lives. Um, so they need new toilets. If they need, um, if the kids need a basketball court, um, if they need new infrastructure that's failing at, or, you know, at a school or in a community, that's the stuff we try to attack as well. Um, so a lot of the time we, we go into elementary schools actually and, uh, we'll build a, we'll build a well, then we'll a to- we'll rebuild the toilets for them, and then we'll build hand washing centers, and then we'll build a cork. Um, and, you know, it, it really cha- it changes the entire, uh, sort of scope of their lives. But at the project that we're working on with World Serve International, who are our partners, who have been wonderful to us, um, we are actually, not only have we done a well, but we're, we're building a basketball court, and then, uh, you know, we're also improving, um, you know, the infrastructure around there, like the, uh, hand washing stations, the toilets, uh, you know, things that they, that they really need to, uh, continue to, um, you know, uh, live a decent life.
0: Final question. Looking to the future, what do you see for the future of the foundation and what are your hopes for it within the next five, 10 years?
1: You know, um, we have short term and long term goals, uh, but I don't want to give a a such a structured, uh, methodical answer. I think in my heart, I I think there are people that are always going to need uh, clean water. There are people that are always going to need help, um, and I think it's important to, as much as you can, continue to focus on them and continue to uh, build for them and and supply as much as you can for them. Um, I've just been a person that's been so blessed with. Resources and opportunities and, you know, all types of things that could have happened to other people and, and it's happened to me and, um, it's important for me to continue to give back. Um, and I think I've, I've surrounded myself now with, with other amazing athletes, other amazing people and partners that are, that are like-minded. And, um, it's a, it's a very, it's, I think it's a very amazing group that, um, that has, you know, banded together now and, I think we're going to continue to grow, continue to raise money. I, I know, you know, m- raising money is, is one of the biggest challenges, honestly, um, for our, for our foundation, but also for a lot of foundations, um, and, and uh, nonprofits. I think it's, and I think it's hard to give money, you know, in my experience in the past, it's hard to figure out who is really doing good work, who is, you know, not doing good work, mismanaging the money for whatever reason. Um, but you know, I, I encourage people to uh, go to our website and just learn about us. Before you do anything, learn about us. Uh, sign up for our newsletter. Um, you know, educate yourself as much as you can on the work that we're doing. Um, and then share and, and, you know, continue to share our message. Uh, donate if you want to donate. Um, but our goal is to continue to grow, continue to raise money, continue to uh, supply water for people, dig wells, and um, help the next generation of children, uh, women, women. Uh, but also, you know, the kids that, that, you know, really need the help.
0: Malcolm, thank you so much for joining me today. It was such an honor to speak with you and hear about the incredible work that you're doing and hear how truly passionate you are about creating a more equitable world by empowering children, families, and entire communities. Your leadership in all of this work is on full display And we really appreciate you sharing your story with us. Of
1: course. Thank you so much for having me and giving me this platform.
0: As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements.